Says he who comes in the name of the Lord, our Lord, our God, our Savior, and the King of us all, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, unto whom all glory is due forever. Amen. And great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all who see and begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or one king going to make war against another king does not send down first and consider whether he is able when ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand or else while the other is still a great way off he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace so likewise whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. I greet you, dear brothers and sisters, on this, the third Sunday of the blessed Coptic month of Hatur. And our mother, the Holy Church, just nourished us with a passage from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, in which our Savior speaks to us about the cost of of being his disciple in the world. And with God's grace, I would like to meditate with you this morning on the cost of discipleship in only three points. First, we are reminded in today's gospel that the cost of being a Christian in this world is total and complete commitment. As we heard, our Savior was walking in the midst of great crowds. And if you read this passage in Greek, you will see that St. Luke uses the words oklos to describe the, cloud, the crowds, which is a plural. It means that it wasn't just one crowd, but there were many crowds around our Savior. 
And suddenly our Savior stopped in the midst of all of these crowds and began to teach them, saying, If any man comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yeah, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And it must have been quite startling for the people at this time to hear these words of Christ, because they were used to hearing his beautiful messages of mercy and peace and love. And then all of a sudden, our Savior stops and teaches them, saying, It's not enough for you to simply be around me to appreciate my message of love and mercy and peace. Being a disciple requires more from you than just appreciating the message. And today there are a great number of people who behave essentially like these crowns. This is why St. Luke inspired, this is why the Holy Spirit inspired St. Luke to describe them as many different crowns. Because there are so many people today who are happy that Christ came. They are happy that the world has his teachings. They are happy that the church exists. They might even be happy that there is a church close to them. They're happy about all these things. They're not against it. But when it comes time to fully, truly, and sincerely commit, then they don't want to. They're okay with Christ being in the periphery. They're okay with Christ being in the world and the church being in the world, but they want to remain on the edges. They want to remain admirers of Christ and his church from far away. They don't want to actually commit or actually sacrifice anything for Christ and his church. And even as Orthodox Christians, when we are called, for example, to sacrifice something for Christ, to commit totally to him, we sometimes sadly shy away. Allow me to give you a few examples of this brutal truth. And I ask for your forgiveness by mentioning these examples, but I want to remind you that these examples are no different than what Christ himself tells us in the gospel. For example, the Holy Church continually reminds us of Christ's commandment that we are to love one another. But there are people, even in the church, who simply cannot bring themselves to forgive or to even look at their brother or sister because, of course, it's always the other person's fault. The Holy Church exhorts us to be the light of the world in everything that we do, but there are people who simply cannot tear themselves away from the ways of the world because they don't want to be rejected by the world. They don't want to be called strange or weird by the world. So what happens is ultimately they live two lives. They live a life that is in the church and they live a life that is outside the church. And they try to be good and accepted in both lives but the reality is that they fail at both. They don't want to fully be in the world and they don't want to fully be in the church, so they end up being in neither. And of course, our Lord addressed this group of people in the book of Revelation when he spoke about those who were lukewarm. He said, I would prefer if you were either hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. And for this reason, I will vomit you from my mouth. 
We cannot be Christians and have a foot in the church and a foot in the world. We have to make a decision. It's not enough for us, dear brothers and sisters, to be like these crowds who were happy in the presence of Christ and appreciate his teachings and his commandments from a distance. The cost of discipleship is commitment. And that brings us to our next point. Second, our commitment to Christ must begin with self-denial. It must begin with self-denial. Our Savior commanded us this morning to practice self-denial when he said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, we live in a world in which self-absorption is the norm. Everything we could possibly want is a mouse click or an iPhone app away. And for this reason, the practice of denying ourselves is extremely important, especially today. When people hear this word, self-denial, they tend to become afraid. They tend to become frightened because they believe that self-denial leads to fatigue. It leads to temptations. It leads to difficulties, generally. And to be perfectly honest, they're right. That is true. Self-denial does lead to all of these things. But more importantly, self-denial also leads to love. It leads to perfection. It leads to holiness. If a person cannot deny himself, he cannot love. If a person cannot deny himself, then he cannot love. And tragically, if a person cannot love, then he can never attain holiness. To put it more simply, how can we share in the life of God who sacrificed himself for us when we are not able to sacrifice ourselves for him or when we are not able to sacrifice ourselves for others? How can we share in the life of God who sacrificed when we don't sacrifice? If we don't sacrifice, now there is a difference between God and us. And if there is a difference between God and us, then on the day of the last judgment, when all of us are going to stand in front of him, he's going to look at our souls. He's going to pierce through the darkness. He's going to see our interior lives and he's going to see within us something that is not recognizable, something that is alien to him, self-centeredness, selfishness, preoccupation with self, the exaltation of the ego. If he sees this in our souls on that fateful day, the result for us is not going to be good because those things are completely alien to who God is. And practically speaking, all of this means that we must be dedicated in our relationship with God, our Father, and the Holy Church, our Mother. It means we have to sacrifice time every day in prayer. It means we have to sacrifice our desire to fit in with this world and instead be the light of this world. 
It means we have to sacrifice when our bodies are feeling tired and when we're sick and when we have other things that we want to do like entertain ourselves so that we can go and serve our brothers and sisters. Self-denial means self-sacrifice to the point that it's no longer something that we just do, but to the point it's something that we become. We become sacrifice. We become ones who deny ourselves. It becomes part of our nature. It's not enough just to do it here and there, to do it in a token fashion, just so that we can feel we're doing something. No, this has to be the characteristic that defines our lives as Christians. We must become sacrifice if we are to live as Christians. And this type of life, don't be mistaken, this type of life is not only for the holy monks and the nuns who live their lives in monasteries and convents. It is for every person who carries the name of Christ because Christ himself modeled this life for us. If we pray and ask him to show us just how we should live this life, he will show us because he lived this life first. In this fast, for example, two days ago, we began the fast of the Nativity. We're learning to eat less and to pray more. We're learning that as a consequence of eating less food, it's easier to fight against the passions that constantly assail us. Things like lust, things like anger, things like jealousy or a lack of humility, pride. We're learning that instead of vegging out in front of some kind of screen, whether it's television or iPad or Netflix or a game, whether it's anything that occupies our time in front of a screen, that perhaps we can help out a little bit more at home or in the community or help a friend or a neighbor with something that brings them closer to God. This self-denial, dear brothers and sisters, is part of the cost of discipleship. As the Russian Orthodox Metropolitan of Suruj, Anthony Bloom, wrote in his meditations, the cost of discipleship means a gradual overcoming of all that is self in order to grow into communion with that which is greater than self and which will ultimately displace self and which will conquer the ground and become the totality of life. So what Metropolitan Anthony is telling us is that being a disciple is getting rid of self to make room for something or someone who is greater than self. And that, of course, is God. It's all about getting rid of the ego. It's all about getting rid of our self-desires to make room for Christ inside our hearts and minds and souls. It is joyfully proclaiming with the Holy Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see this theme of sacrifice beautifully woven into the words of the Holy Apostle Paul when he tells us that he is dead, but Christ is living in him because Christ sacrificed his life for him. 
And our Savior teaches us that we are to live this life as Christians. We must strive to do the same. Third and finally, dear brothers and sisters, total commitment as a Christian means not only denying ourselves, but also denying anything. And I I emphasize, I underline this word, anything that interferes with our relationship with God. We heard our Lord's shocking words in verse 26 of today's gospel. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And of course, the word hate here does not refer to the emotion of hatred. God is not subject to emotions. God is passionless. He's not subject to the passion of hatred. So when we read that word hate, it doesn't mean hate like we oftentimes hate, the sinful hate. When God is telling us to hate, he is telling us rather to deny, to deny anything. Even the ones who are closest to us, even our family members, if that's what it comes to, if they interfere with our loyalty to God. As Christians, we must love Christ and prefer him to every other impulse, even the things that are dear to us, even our family, if it comes to that. Didn't we hear a beautiful example of this in today's gospel? Didn't you hear about St. Adrosis, the king's daughter, who learned the Christian faith from a Christian girl by the name of Ioanna? And she learned the Christian faith and she began to practice Christianity. And then her father told her, sacrifice to the idols, offer incense before your wedding. And she refused and said, how can I do this and abandon the true God? And she told her father, leave the pagan gods and embrace Christ. But his heart was hardened. So what did this tyrant do? He threw his own daughter and her Christian friend into the fire and they gained the crown of martyrdom while he remained hardened in his heart. But see what St. Edrosis did. When her father told her, leave Christ, she said no. She said no. She was willing to deny even her father if her father got in the way between her and Christ. And perhaps the best example of this is Christ himself. You remember that for the sake of our salvation, Christ abandoned so many things that he deserves. He abandoned so many things that are appropriate for him. He abandoned the height of his glory and his royal throne in heaven, which is carried by the cherubim and the seraphim for the sake of our salvation. This is why we're fasting. This is what the season is all about. God bowed the heavens low and he became one of us. He became his creation in order to save his creation. And not only that, but as St. Ambrose of Milan teaches us, our Lord Jesus Christ renounced his own mother. Our Lord Jesus Christ renounced his own mother for the sake of our salvation. When people came to him in the gospel and said, your mother is looking for you, he responded, who is my mother? 
Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, is my brother and sister and mother. So even though our Lord Jesus Christ definitely loved his mother very deeply, he did not hesitate in pointing to his disciples and saying, These, these who do the will of God, these are my mother. And even on the Holy Cross, our Savior had to endure perhaps one of the worst sights that any human being has had to endure in the history of mankind. He had to endure the sight of his mother, who loved him so deeply, weeping at the foot of the Holy Cross as he suffered a painful death for our salvation. And any one of us, if we were given a choice to avoid that scene, to avoid that pain, to avoid seeing our mother suffer like that, any one of us might very well have said, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to see my mother in tears and suffering like that. But what did our Savior do? He gave his mother to all of us. He was dying and he gave his mother to all of us, saying to St. John, representing all of mankind, Behold thy mother. He gave the mother who bore him in her womb for nine months, the mother who nourished him, the mother who taught him, the mother who loved him. He gave her to all of us on the cross so that he might finish the sacrifice for our salvation. And in light of this, St. Ambrose asks us, if Christ renounced his own mother for our salvation, shouldn't we do the same? Shouldn't we be prepared to renounce not just family, but renounce anything? Again, I underline that word, anything that keeps us away from Christ. Whether it we're talking about friends, whether we're talking about certain activities that we like to do, whether we're talking about the activities that keep us away from church, we renounce anything that keeps us away from God. So this, dear brothers and sisters, is a little bit, three points, on the, the cost of being a Christian in the world today. It is a total commitment that involves denying ourselves and being prepared to renounce any and everything that might separate us from God. And I want to encourage you this morning to examine your lives, especially now as we begin this fast, and to honestly ask yourselves, have I made this commitment? Because the stakes are far too great. At the end of today's gospel, our Lord spoke a brief parable about salt. He taught us that if, salt has if the salt has lost its flavor, its ability to season things, then it's not good for anything. It's good for nothing. And it's thrown out into the garbage and trampled underfoot by men. And clearly he's telling us that we are the salt. And if we make a total commitment to Christ, then we will be able to season the world. Then we'll be able to change the world. And then the salt will be good. But if we fail to be committed to Christ, then we are going to be cast out and discarded. And I pray that God may protect all of us from that. Take this fast, this 43 days fast, to commit yourselves more 
You know, yesterday, when we prayed the raising of incense, for the first half of the raising of incense, there was only one other person in the church besides me. We still need to work on our attendance at the raising of incense. Brothers and sisters, it's not optional. It's not optional. This is part of our prayer. It's part of our liturgical cycle. So if you want to work on something in this fast, if you want to try to improve one aspect of your life in this fast, make a commitment to come every Saturday night, no matter what's going on, and come and pray. That's one thing that you can do. You can also commit to reduce the smart devices and televisions in your life. You can make a commitment to forgive everyone who offends you, to make a special effort this fast to do that. You can make a commitment to be more helpful at home and in your community to find more opportunities for community service, whether through the church or elsewhere, so that you can really live the meaning of the season, which is giving and not receiving. This fast is not an obligation. It is a chance. It's an opportunity for us to do better. And there are a lot of things here at St. Gregory that we can do better on and a lot of things in our own personal lives that we can do better on. So let's work. Let's work together and do better so that we can be totally committed to Christ, to Him be all glory with His all-holy Father and the all-holy and life-giving Spirit, now and forever and unto the age of all ages. Amen.